Hey everyone, my name is Caleb. And I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a survivor podcast. Just when we thought that Survivor had finally run out of all the twists and all the changes, and I personally had thought that with the 50-50 coin and everything else that's going on, we had seen all of the new things that they had added for season 40. And I personally had no idea that the loved one's visit was going to happen this week. And then Jeff taking it to that next level and not only letting the current players see their families, but letting everyone on the edge see their families. And actually even Sandra on Ponderosa got to see her family. Huge, huge move by production this week to just let us see that unfiltered, unaltered emotion. It was crazy. I think by far, this is the one I've empathized the most with just seeing all these players with their families. What did you think about all this? Did anyone surprise you with their reactions? Did you like that they didn't have a loved one's challenge? What did you think about all of this? A little preface. My my initial thought at the end of the episode was, wow, what a massive swing of emotion. I mean, you, you pretty much experienced everything um, during this episode from joy, unbridled, just affection, all the way to, you know, gutting your opponents in tribal i mean it it was it was the full spectrum uh what a treat during the loved ones visit there were so many moments that just seemed to give us um a peek through the veil so to speak in terms of these players personalities and and what they're truly like and that's the thing about family right you know when you're in the game you've got this persona like you think of tony who is just this tough guy, you know, and he's he's gonna he's got a spy shack and he's gonna figure out, you know, what you're doing and yep. and take you down, stab you in the back. But then he gets in front of his family and all of that persona that he's created on this island and even in this show is just gone. Yeah, it just melts away. Because this family, your family knows you better than anyone else. And it's the same way in my life too. You know, I I can't help but act a little bit differently about around my family because they know me so much better. Family gets straight through it. So Tony sticks out to me the biggest because, you know, he he basically just fell to his knees and just started weeping. Yeah. And dude, I had a I had a lump in my throat. I mean, <laughs> you can't really watch that and see that big man just lose it in front of his family. I totally agree. Cause Tony especially, you know, mm-hmm. we've never seen him be like this before. Like with Jeremy, Jeremy's a tough guy too, right? He's a firefighter. He's certainly a tough guy. And he's a guy's guy too. Clearly, he's a Patriots fan. He likes football like me. Yeah. He, I, we don't like the same team, but you know, he's a guy's guy. Sure. But we've seen Jeremy become this emotional before in his final tribal in the season he won on second chance we've seen this from him before second chance with tony we've never seen this before because on his initial loved ones visit i think it was his brother or maybe a friend i don't recall because his wife couldn't make it because she was pregnant so he got a little emotional then but nothing like nothing like seeing his children on the beach just brought him to his absolute core and it was it was certainly powerful the other thought i had was like look at the the spectrum of differences in in reaction like between 
between the different families. So I felt like on one hand, you had Tyson. And when his wife and daughter came in, they just kind of, you know, walked real slowly. And um, and his daughter, I, I feel like she probably had trouble recognizing him, which make perfect sense, you know, be kind of scared, especially at that age. Yeah. You know, so she kind of took a little while to warm up to him again, um, which she did. But uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have Jeremy, who've been <laughs> waiting that entire time. And when it comes to his turn, he just screams at the top of his lungs, you know, get out here. Let's go. He basically fell over. Yeah. Yeah. And his whole family just tackled him. Right. So, I mean, it's just it's such a, it's such an enjoyable experience to see these people who have been um, isolated for so long. Um, get to see their loved ones again. I think uh, I think some of us might be due f- to experience a little bit of that, um, just with what we have going on. Oh yeah, because another another parallel between Survivor and our life in quarantine. You know, we yeah. try to keep it out of the show. We try to we try to you know talk about positive. Look, I things, haven't but... had a haircut in over a month, and I haven't trimmed my beard in now going on four weeks. So I feel like and I can. Uh, you know, really empathize with these players now. I'm getting food in my beard now. I've crossed that threshold. That's new for me. Touching back on Tyson, what was interesting to me about Tyson too is even in this moment where he hasn't seen his family in over three weeks now, and he's a stay-at-home dad, so he spends all day, every day with his children. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he has a very strong bond with them, and I think that was all genuine. Mm -hmm. But even in that moment, he couldn't help but be the funny guy, you know, basically joking with his daughter, you know, that's daddy's shower and his toilet, right? <laughs> you know, and you could tell he had that really, really strong connection with his family, but he still couldn't quite not be the showman. <laughs> and it means a lot of times I think Tyson is showing off. Yeah. He's, he's using humor as a way to defuse a situation or further himself in the game. I think that's just who he is. Because if, if he's like that in this moment, he must be like this all the time. He's probably a terrible guy to have at funerals. My personality lends itself to that a little bit. I like to distract people from feeling negative things. But uh, uh, no judgment here. I mean, it's just a personality thing, I think, sure. more than anything. Uh, one other thing. <laughs> there was something weird. Uh, I was uh, watching with uh, some of my family again, and I kept getting this feeling when I was watching it, uh, this throwback to um, our favorite show, The Office, um, where Jim and Pam are hugging each other and, you know, are really <laughs> excited to see each other again. And and uh, they start they start kind of making out in the middle of the office. And Michael Scott comes in behind him and he's just watching him, just kind of enjoying enjoying watching him. And, uh, you know, that was Jeff, right? That was Jeff. Yeah, man. Watching Denise and her husband go to first base out on the survivor bleachers. He had just the biggest smile on his face. And it's because he's a nice guy. And he really, here's the other thing. He knows these survivors so well. He's known them for years and he's, he's hung out with them. I mean, we talk about some of these players knowing each other. Jeff knows these players, all of them. He knows their families. He knows every that he knows their motivations like he knows them really well and so you know he's he's sitting back there and he's like oh that's a hug right there and I just busted out laughing because i got throwbacks to that episode where michael scott's standing behind jim and like yeah kiss her kiss her good <laughs> um continuing with that line of logic when michelle had her sister come out i was like that woman is aaron hannon if i've ever seen an aaron hannon in my life that is aaron hannon to her kelly kapoor 100 percent, because they were just girling out 
instantly. And if you haven't watched The Office, I'm sorry for the last five minutes. Look, if someone hasn't watched The Office and they aren't familiar with football metaphors, this entire podcast is a waste of time for them. <laughs> Moving on to an actual strategic question, though. Yeah. One huge difference with this entire segment was that there was no loved ones challenge. And I was telling my wife before that was known I was like, oh man, this is going to be the most intense loved yes. ones challenge ever yes. because the stakes are not just normal. It's like, oh, hey, it's your spouse, your boyfriend, your fiance, your sister. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's all of them plus your children, right? These people are going to be going nuts. And I said, you do not want to win this challenge. No. So how do you think the lack of this challenge impacts the game? Does it allow people to actually build greater relationships Or is this something that we just missed out on? Because a lot of times alliances are formed or broken over the choices made by the winner of the loved ones challenge. Absolutely. No, uh, you are so right. And I was thinking about that too. We talked about that um, during our last season of of Tribal Talk. You know, we've talked about some of the worst moves that have ever been made and and people's games have been lost. And I'm not saying won or lost in this challenge. I'm saying they have been lost because it is a lose- lose win situation for whoever wins because they have to choose people you know they're they're basically like here's my line here's my alliance and then i dare you to vote me off and the people who are left are always the majority the people who are left are super angry and upset and it's your fault you've basically almost completely ruined your game i think there's two things going on here one is jeff loves these people and he's so grateful for them coming back and uh i don't remember which which survivor it was i think it was um i think it was tyson possibly who said um that this feels like jeff is happy for them he's proud of them and so this is a reward for everyone for coming back for playing the game hard for sticking it out and uh, and I agree with that. I think that's one of the things. I think the other thing is production has caught on, especially with returning players who know better. I don't know that a lot of them are actually going to want to win. I think that there are certain players who will hold back because yeah. they understand the pitfall and the danger at this point in the game of drawing these lines of division and causing so many people to resent you. I mean, there are some certain players, like I think Ben Dreebergen would go for it. Yeah, I think there are some people that are competitors that just can't not try their hardest. Yeah. But any player who's familiar with game theory or a little bit of strategy in this game is going to say, oh, I really, really want this. I really want to spend the night with my loved one, but I'd much rather someone in my alliance win and me just get picked. Sure, sure would like $2 million, though. I mean... Yeah, I'd rather go on a super nice $2 million vacation with my loved ones. We can can literally buy the island of Fiji after that. (laughs) Okay, so segueing straight from that into the edge of extinction... I thought that segment was even more powerful because the moment when that boat is coming and they are all convinced this is bad news, this can't be good, this is going to be a bad day for us, and then Natalie sees her sister, Nadia, with apparently Nadia's daughter on this boat and just screams, it's our families, and the pandemonium and the crazy amount of emotion that just pours out of these people was even more than the people in the actual game because they had a little bit of a warning. Because Jeff said, you get to see what you're playing for right now. So they knew and they had, you know, anywhere from a few seconds to a few minutes to know what was going to happen and kind of, I don't know, keep a small lid on what was going on. But Mm -hmm. those people on the edge, it was just like, hey, within the course of 10 seconds, you go from 
having a normal day on the terrible edge of extinction to absolute elation. I think what Amber said makes complete sense. Basically, within a moment, no one was thinking about how hungry they were. No one was thinking about how tired they were. All of a sudden, it was just, your family is here. Everything's going to be fine. I thought that was crazy. I've never seen anything like that. I thought it was a great move by by Jeff. Um, let's 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 move on. All sure. right, that's enough. That's enough touchy feely, um, feel good emotions. There were <laughs> there was essentially um, this is how I saw it. You know those Western movies where everyone's got their pistols drawn and they're all pointed to each other. That's what where we've been with all these advantages, I feel like. We've been yeah. in a state... I mean, there's so many of them. I think it's actually more like they're all sitting at a poker game, and they all have guns pointed at each other, but under the table, right? They're not being... <laughs> they're not overt. They're not above the table. They're under the table, but they all know about it still somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they do know. They do know that other people have advantages, and they don't necessarily know which ones. But the question always was, okay, when are we going to use these? And this episode, apart from having some great emotional moments, was everyone firing their guns simultaneously and then just carnage, just carnage. Before we get to that exciting topic, let's talk about the challenge. Obviously, so this week we had the challenge um, where the guy holds the rope and the guy put the words on the, the guy play with blocks and the blocks can't go over. I love this challenge because it could go anywhere from 10 minutes long to... to Apparently an hour, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think it was... Was it two hours? Jeff said that in the previous season it was over an hour, and then the second time that they did it, it took 14 minutes, which is a crazy difference. So you really have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, so saw a lot of strategies from kind of going faster to really taking our time oh i gotta ask you a question right then there okay is there a proper way to carry that block do you do the the uh was it jeremy where you just put it in your mouth there's ah. do you do the nick do you do the neck tuck do you tuck it under your chin like this do you try to carry it in your hand like kim and, mm-hmm. and not allow it mm-hmm. to mess up your rope grab what is the proper way to move between your stack of blocks and your and your teeter-totter you know caleb i'm glad you asked me um so the answer to the question is it varies i think if your mouth big enough and block small <laughs> enough you put you put it in your mouth agreed i think if you only have one chin and plenty of room uh to maneuver the block underneath said chin i think you can squeeze it and i think that if you have neither uh big mouth or um nice jawline you gotta use your hands and that is a disadvantage for sure i think i think mouth better because you can use your uh head to you know look at where you are and and all that i think uh neck better than hands because ultimately you need both your hands on that rope to make sure you're coming back see i'm gonna take a firm stance on this i've uh-huh. watched my son walter play with blocks many times and by far the most effective way for him to move around is to put that block in his mouth i think it's objectively true but what if mouth small uh, what do you do uh you just open up your jaw even bigger like you're a sneaky snake so your your solution to the problem of not having a big enough mouth is just to have a bigger mouth. Correct, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. Uh, very cool. So on this challenge, one other thing that actually did surprise me was Tony being able to slow down 
and play this challenge. I remember back to the individual immunity challenges on Kagayan, and I remember there's one in particular where it was an obstacle course type challenge, and then you had to climb up a ladder that was also a puzzle, and at the end of it, there was a slide puzzle. And Tony got there a significant amount of time before anyone else, and he just couldn't slow down and look at this puzzle that was only the logo for their season. He just had to do a slide puzzle. And most people practice slide puzzles before they go into Survivor. And he was just maniacally, rapidly shifting these blocks around. And then eventually Spencer got up there and Spencer just caught up and passed him. And Tony was finally able to adapt his individual challenge game and say, you know what? I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to go my own pace and I'm going to win. Survivor is not about who's the smartest. It is not about who's the strongest it is about who is able when um, things get hard, when things get tough, to maintain control of their emotions. And that's pretty much it. And I'm talking strategy. I'm talking in the middle of challenges. Shout out to Wendell, who cannot keep his stupid mouth shut <laughs> during these challenges to actually finish one and win one for his for his team but that's what tony's learned you're right 100 tony has learned not to panic when when things get difficult and that is exactly what survivor is about if you're able like sophie to just cool calm and collect it like all the way through and i know that's tony's mantra now right cool what does he say cool calm and collected or calm cool and collected I think he says something like that. It's not as funny as that one guy from, I don't even remember what season it was, where he was like, Kong Kong Collective. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who was that? I I remember what he looks like. I cannot remember his name. I remember that he never got taken on a reward, and on his birthday, he didn't get taken on a reward. He was like, not even on my birthday. It wasn't, what was it? uh, Oh, man. I feel like his name was like Rodney or something. Rodney, that's it. That's it. it was Rodney. No, it is. 100% Rodney. It is 100% Rodney. No, he's great. Yes, uh, Rodney. Uh, I cannot remember. Dude, it is 100% Rodney. I guarantee you, promise you, 100%. Uh, now, what's his last name, though? We should get that. It is Rodney. I can't believe I'm right. I can't Dude, believe I told it. you. No, he looks like a Rodney. Though. I know. He he, like oh, he was so entertaining. <laughs> he was so entertaining. It's not my freaking birthday. It's my freaking birthday, man. <laughs> okay, okay. We got to get back on got to get back on point here. So, let's move on to this crazy pre-tribal and tribal council section of the episode which was relegated to like half of the runtime because the loved ones visits took so long. What do you think is going on in this game? Who do you think is in control? What alliances are actually gaining steam? Uh, kind of going back to what I just talked about. This this is not about control. This game is not about control. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. This game is about control, but not about controlling other people. This game is about being in control of your emotions, not panicking. Um, and that goes for the pre-tribal and tribal. If you are panicking, that is going to draw attention to yourself. You're going to say things and do things that you haven't thought through. And that's when mistakes are made. And that's when you end up getting voted out. Once again, we saw Sophie control herself until a certain point, right? Um, is it okay for us to talk about tribal now? Or are we still on pre-tribal? It all blends together. It's impossible to talk about one without the other. <laughs> it really is. I mean, really, tribal is more pre-tribal. Now, because as soon as they get there, they all start whispering and the strategies change. Yeah, let's talk about that right now. That's a huge question. Do you like all of these live tribals? Do you like all the whispering or is it kind of an old gimmick to you at this point? Because that's definitely risen 
in prevalence in the last few seasons. Here's my thought. I think it's an evolution of the game that you can't really... I don't think that they should, for instance, say no whispering during during tribal council. But I do want the chance to be involved. I want to hear what's happening, which you were always able to do um, because cameras were everywhere before tribal. But now that they're in tribal, they're all in close proximity. They're able to whisper. And I do like when they add the captions. I'm sure they go back and they ask the survivors what they whispered because there's no way you can hear it. You cannot hear those whispers. Um, But they put the captions there when they can. And I appreciate that. But I, I I don't like being completely surprised with no chance of knowing like how these decisions are being made, who's making mistakes, all that stuff. That's part of Survivor. So... Um, I don't think you can stop it. I'm glad we can see some of the subtitles and, and things like that, but it's just kind of a natural evolution of the game. My thought is it's grown into the game out of necessity because there's so many advantages and so many things that can change at Tribal. Obviously, the example this episode is that Jeremy used his safety without power and left Tribal Council, and Ben Driebergen, who, spoiler, I'm going to give my Big Mouth Award to, says, well, what do we do now? Indicating to us and everyone else at Tribal that Jeremy was the pick that week, right? (laughs) So they were going to vote for Jeremy, and now he's gone. So now what do you do, right? So does that necessitate a live Tribal? Well, of course it does. You have to have a whole other conversation unless you mapped out every single contingency plan before Tribal, which no one ever has time to do, right? So with all these advantages, I mean, think about it. We had multiple idols in play. Uh, Sophie didn't play hers, but Kim played hers. We had the uh, steal a vote advantage played, and we had the safety without power advantage played all in one tribal council. How can you not adjust what you're doing at tribal when all of that stuff is happening? What I do think is funny, though, is that they couldn't decide when they were going to have the vote. That part was so funny. Just like, so (laughs) should we vote? And I was like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) of course. Of course, Jeff. Jeremy and Sophie just like staring each other down. Yeah, Jeff, we're, we're ready to vote. We're ready to vote. Okay, well, it is time to... Oh, Jeff! Oh, Jeff! Oh. Was it Sophie? Was it Sophie? It was Sarah and... Because uh, Sarah had Sarah. to steal a vote. Sarah and yeah, Jeremy. Sarah had to steal a vote and Jeremy was trying to play a safety without power. Sarah and Jeremy just kind of staring each other down like, who's who's going to go first? Who's going to go first? And is basically a game of chicken um, between the two of them. You know, I'm going to go a little bit off the reservation here. Um, I just talked about Sophie maintaining control of her, her emotions. Mm-hmm. I did not like her move during Tribal when she specifically said... Let's us five go over there and make a decision. I thought that was a particularly bad move, which ended up directly resulting in her getting some votes. She made herself out to be a leader. She looked like she was rubbing it in their faces. She looked like she was really trying to take a role um, that would put her in better position, let's say, in Final Tribal. That's not what she needs to do at this point. It's way too early for her to come out guns blazing. I think she's going to have to do it at some point. She's going to have to come out and be like, I'm the mastermind at with like four people left. I would probably do five or four people left. And, and then and then she needs to have some good luck there. And she needs to finish strong in order to win this season. I don't think she's going to nobody's going to take her to final tribal with them. I actually do give Sophie a little more credit for that than maybe you do. And yeah. I actually gave her and Sarah a joint best move of the week. And here's why. They needed to have some type of secondary discussion to decide how they were going to allocate all of their votes. 
everything was changing at tribal at that moment. What I think was interesting is that if you look at the vote breakdown that happened, basically everyone voted for Tyson in their alliance, and with the Steelid vote and with Sophie's vote, they each threw a vote towards Denise. And what that did is it made it to where even if Kim had correctly played her idol on Tyson, it would have been a two vote for Denise and two vote for Sophie Ty. And then you would be led to believe that Denise would be the one going home. They needed to have some type of discussion and a quick powwow to kind of think through logically, okay, we know that everyone is good with us except for these four players. We're going to take Denise's away. This is the votes that are left, blah, 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 right? Well, doing that allowed them to basically know with certainty that either Tyson or Denise was going home. That's huge. Is it without risk? No. You're right. Sophie definitely put a bigger target on her back this week because of that. But was it necessary to get the outcome that she wanted? I think it was. I know it's a big move, though. I, I want to take a second to uh, recognize that you did call the vote off uh, last week. You predicted Tyson, Thank and you. it was indeed Tyson. You. I will bow. I will bow. This is not how I thought it was going to happen, though. <laughs> I will openly recognize that. This Who was... did? <laughs> yeah, that was but, nuts, man. But you were right that they they had no problem. Um, the majority had no problem sending him right back where he came from. And my prediction, for my part, was Jeremy. I think that if he hadn't played safety without power, he would have been the pick. You are correct. Obviously, he was the pick going in. I could kind of see that coming, but clearly, I, I didn't realize that Jeremy would play his advantage. So that's that's on me. I missed that one. You got that one. Uh, props. I I, I want to circle back to the Sophie piece because I think you're right. They needed to decide on a on a new target. They needed to be um, strategic about it. But her standing up and saying it the way that she did was completely unnecessary. She could have kept whispering. I think it was a bit of an emotional move. I think she wanted to erase some of the ambiguity because she was uncomfortable with it. And so and she was frustrated. Did you see her face when she cast her vote for Denise? Exactly. She looked like a scary witch. And earlier in this episode, she asked her fiance, do I look like a supermodel? And let me tell you, Sophie, <laughs> when you voted, you did it. I will not comment on any other moment of the game. But when you voted for Denise, you did not look like a supermodel. I, I, I will. Uh, I'll hold my peace on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll just say I'll just say, Sophie. I, I expected a little bit better from you. I don't think she ruined her game. She just kind of tripped up a little bit because she lost control of her emotions. Uh, still a big Sophie fan. Still hope she wins. There's a few players still in that I really hope make it through. Um, and that's not even speaking of the Edge of Extinction. Do you have a pick for worst move of the week? Th- this was a pretty good episode. I, I felt like there were a lot of good moves. Not a lot of bad moves, but I do think... There was no boneheaded moves for sure, right? No. If someone was doing something, you were like, what? What are you doing? Like, everything kind of made sense. And in fact, I'm gonna go after Jeremy a little bit here. But before I do, I want to preface with, I, I don't know that I would have done anything differently. However, from my perspective on my couch, eating chips, I I felt like he let a lot of people in the game down when he left Tribal Council. Not even necessarily strategically speaking, but um, more like him saying, I don't care what happens to you all, I'm out of here. You know, and and that's that's really what that advantage was. You know, it t- kind of takes some of its um, some of its luster away. That that advantage. I mean, right? It's safety without power, right? Without power, and you lose 
you lose some trust a little bit unless your unless your tribe knows or your alliance knows that you have that and that you already have the numbers but for some reason like you've got a you've got a feeling like you might be um thrown under the bus or backstabbed or something like that and you just say hey i'm just gonna play this i think that's the only way you can kind of mitigate that but in this case jeremy's group really felt like they needed him so my thing on that is jeremy actually even said this week that at least his perception of this group of survivors is that he's completely alone whether that's true or not that's how he feels and i think that really helps explain why he made the move that he did because sure he's letting these guys down but at the end of the day he doesn't see them as essential to his gameplay going forward because he doesn't really think that they're with him in the first place basically he was willing to work with Kim and uh, who was the other person when they were when Kim was talking to those three it was uh, Kim it may have been Denise I don't recall but basically Kim and Jeremy at least were talking and Kim basically said you have no friends out here you know that and he's like yeah oh it was Tyson and she looks at Tyson and says you have oh, no yeah. friends out here and he's like yeah yeah you're right so they kind of out of necessity were working together but they're not really anything like an alliance one thing on that is I actually do think Jeremy made the worst move of the week this week by immediately after the immunity challenge going up to Tony and saying, let's vote off Sarah. And I don't know mm. if he doesn't know that Sarah is his number one. Cops are us, baby. Here's my here's my point for Jeremy. Even if Tony and Sarah are keeping this under wraps, here's what you know. They were on a season together and they are both cops. They have to have some type of bond because of that. They must, right? Also, they can't be possibly keeping all of this alliance under wraps this entire season. Jeremy must know. When he goes to Tony, who has the immunity necklace, and says, I want to vote out your number one. Jeremy, what are you thinking? And then here's what else is interesting. Tony says, no, no, let's vote out Tyson. So at that moment in time, Jeremy's on the inside of the vote. He's on the inside. He is not on the chopping block, and he's fine until he's sitting on a bench later on in the episode and then basically nods at another player and says, let's go talk, and they walk away, and he does this in front of all the other people he was on that vote with, and then Tony says, never mind. It's Jeremy. Why would Jeremy do this? I think he majorly misread the room, and he basically was on the in, and he put himself on the outs. So I give him the worst, the, the worst move of the week because he actually, had he not done that, wouldn't have even needed to play his safety without power. And he could be sitting on that advantage for another week. And what did he have to lose, right? He didn't see himself with those other players anyway. Pre-tribal is essentially a game of chicken between survivors. And we saw a perfect example of that earlier this season when we had Rob trying to take control of this, this fire um, group. Right, where he wants everyone to sit down and all stare at each other so nobody talks to anyone else. And it was a game of chicken where who the per- first person to get scared, to get to lose control of their their fear and to let their fear drive them away from that fire is the first one to go every time. And that's that's where Jeremy was at. I, he was at a disadvantage because he's felt ostracized for a while. Um, just like Adam did before he got voted out. And that's why I predicted Jeremy would be going because he feels alone. And when you feel alone, you scramble unless you're able to get a hold of that fear. So he lets the fear control him. He says, okay, I have to make a move now because I am alone. He makes that move and he becomes a target. It's more about perception than anything else. And and you're you're a hundred percent right. He he let that fear drive him and he made a made an awful, awful move. Yeah, he had the opportunity when Tony told him, No, I'm not gonna vote for Sarah. I, I agree Sophie and Sarah are intimidating, but not yet. Let's go for Tyson. At that moment he could have at least been like, 
Yes. And if he wanted to tell that other alliance who the vote was for to allow them to correctly play that idol, that would have been his prerogative. But guess what? He would be going into this week with a safety without power, which I think the later in the game you are, the more powerful that is, right? Because your alliances get weaker and weaker as the game goes on. I think it's huge. Yeah. Um, Unless you have anything else to say on that, I think we need to move on to our final segment of every single week, which is making our pick for the next vote off. What do you think? There's this um, concept in Survivor of the the backstab and the, the the shield that is required, right? Anytime you're going to stab someone in the back, you're going to blindside them. You need a shield. You need a target. That's not the real target. It's the fake target. And I think that with Jeremy being the target for so long, he is in that category of being a shield, hmm. which means ironically, he's a little bit more safe, I think, this week than he was last week. Because the first word out of everybody's gonna mouth is going to be Jeremy, right? And the people who he betrayed are going to be like, yeah, Jeremy, we've got to get Jeremy out. It's going to be way too tempting for a lot of these survivors to let the people who are actually playing well, slash not Jeremy, um, to stay in the game another another few days. So I'm not going to predict who's going to be that vote off because it's, I think if, if what I'm saying is going to happen... I think not only is it not going to be Jeremy, but he's going to be the number one target, but it's going to be the fake target, and there's going to be a a Mm. blindside. That's a great point. I think that's definitely possible, because you're right. That is typically what happens, and it's a question of whose name is actually going to be thrown out there first, right? Right. I think the other thing to consider, this is my pick for next week. I think it's going to be Kim, and I don't know who necessarily is going to be the, the fake name that's thrown out there. It very well may be Jeremy. That makes a lot of sense to me, but I think it's going to be Kim because I think that Tony and Sarah's relationship, as we were shown in this episode, is not... You know, really weathering this storm of Survivor as well as maybe it was earlier because they're starting to disagree with who the vote outs should be. I think Tony is going to agree with Sarah to go for Kim and to kind of shore that up so that way they're good with one another for another couple of votes. I think other people clearly are going to be willing to go for Kim because she was majorly on the outs in the vote this week because basically now it's going to be Denise and Kim and I guess Jeremy who are kind of the three wild cards. So if they throw Kim's name out there as the actual vote of the week. Who's going to say, no, Kim's my girl. I can't vote her out. No one's going to say that. Um, I will say, and, and this maybe throw in there as a, as a part of our predictions, I'm predicting that Jeremy is either going to do really well in this challenge or he's going to win it because he's the one who feels like the target is on him. And if he wins it, throw my prediction out of the window. Obviously, he can't be a shield if you're safe. I think he very well might win um, the challenge. He's physically strong. He's smart. And he, usually in Survivor, if you really feel like you need it, you're going to last a little bit longer than than the other person. Don't know what kind of challenge Absolutely. it's going to be, but that's kind of my call. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for spending your morning or evening or afternoon uh, listening to us talk about our favorite show. Tune in next week. After the next episode, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Feel free to chime in. Hit us up at Tribal Talk Pod. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.